We're going to read just in a few moments from Luke chapter 10. I know Bruce has been is going through Luke. I didn't ask his permission to jump ahead a wee bit here, but I'm sure he won't mind. Um, Bruce is, is quite often you would do that going through the Gospels tend to take larger chunks, which is good and fine. And I thought today we would just focus in on a very small piece and maybe just give attention in detail to a small part of this gospel. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we're going to start reading from in a few moments. Just by way of introduction, um, I learned again on Friday that listening is actually very important and thing, something that we need to do. Uh, sometimes on a Friday, I away from work early and I went up to the swimming I go to and had a wee quick swim and then had a nice cup of coffee sitting there. And about quarter past four, the, the phone went and it was Lynn. And I could tell right away something was wrong. Where are you? I said, well, I'm up having my coffee. I've had a wee swim just before I came home. And she said, she reminded me, uh, you're supposed to be picking me up and then going to pick Morag and Kate up as we're going for our tea at half past four at Riva. And I said, but you never told me that. And well, I, that was the wrong thing to say. Uh, so I dashed back and Lynn was already out halfway up the street waiting for me. Uh, get into the car, pleasantries were exchanged or fired in one way. I, I did try to argue my case. I don't think I heard you this morning. So I told you. And to be honest, Lynn's probably right. She probably did tell me. I'm sure I heard her, but I, I wasn't listening. Uh, and I completely went out of my mind. I wasn't listening. And therefore, I didn't react and put into practice what I should have in terms of being there on time and picking her and her friends up. So a lesson for me on Friday about the importance of listening. And I noticed when Bruce was preaching over the last couple of weeks in Luke's Gospel, I don't know if you do this, sometimes, although the passage, I've got the passage open, sometimes I do eye other passages, or Bruce makes a quick reference to a passage, and my eyes flick to it. And it's not that I'm not paying attention, Elizabeth, so please tell him, I do listen, but sometimes I'm looking at other things. And I noticed in Luke's Gospel there's, Quite a bit of reference. I started picking up references uh, when he highlighted something about the sower and the seed. And Jesus in Luke chapter 8, after telling the story of, of the soil and the seed being planted, and Jesus shouts out, He who has ear to hear, let him listen. Let him hear. And of course, uh, in, Bruce also mentioned the wise and foolish builders. And the whole point of that story is the wise people are the people who hear and listen to God's word, and then put it into practice. And then it, I started looking through, and at the end of chapter 8, when Jesus' mother and brothers were trying to see him, Jesus says, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And so you begin to see the theme, and then in chapter 11, somebody shouts a blessing in Jesus, and Jesus says, blessed rather are those who hear the word, and obey it. And Luke seems to be, in this section, when he's teaching about discipleship, he seems to be saying it's important that we hear and that we listen. And then we put it into practice. And I was thinking also about this passage came into my mind. This story of Jesus' visit to Martha and Mary. A story which is a very a typical domestic scene, very well-known story, for all of us. And yet I think Luke has something 
by placing this little story here to teach us about discipleship and the importance of actually listening to Jesus and what he has to say to us. So we're going to read from verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Before we come to this little section this morning, I'm going to stand and sing hymn number 459 to using mission praise, Master speak, thy servant heareth, waiting for thy gracious word. You get the sense today that we're almost beginning to move out into a post-COVID world. That seems to be the way things are heading with the continual easing of restrictions, etc., the idea is we'll soon, it seems, be back to normal and that opens up lots of wonderful opportunities for us to meet again with all our families and to go out to the things that we enjoy, to go into restaurants or go into cinemas or go to theatres, whatever it is. It seems to be opening up and gives us a lot to look forward to and we wonder, look forward to our life just going back to the way it was, going back to normal. It's been interesting during this period we've had when almost everything's really slowed down and, and you'll be aware in, in the news as well how many people have spoken about how they've taken the opportunity to, in a sense, review and rethink what their priorities are in life, um, whether that be, you know, buying an animal, going out walking more, enjoying the countryside more or prioritising spending time with their families and really putting that first making that a priority or simply going to prioritise travelling the world, having holidays, all sorts of things. But people have been taking the opportunity that's been presented when things have really been put on pause to, to rethink what's important to them and, and what their priorities are. And I suppose as Christians we've had and still have this opportunity as well as individuals and as a church the opportunity to, in a sense, reset and restart in terms of our discipleship and in terms of being church and doing church. It's almost as if we've been given a blank slate when everything was stopped and now, it's, will everything just go back to normal, doing everything we did before? Or will we take the opportunity to think, to think about our own discipleship our own church life, what shape will it take in this post-COVID world? I did hear an illustration, and I'm going to use it because it's not mine, but I can identify with it. And it was about two ways to pack a car. And if I'm going to holiday now, it's really dead easy. It's one and I. 
foot open, two wee cases in, a jacket, and away we go. It's simple. It's wonderful. When I think back to years ago, when we put up on caravan holidays with the two or the three children, it was a slightly different case then, trying to pack the car. And one way you would do is everything out the house, at the back of the car, and you would just lift whatever's there, put it into the boot, and very soon you would find the cars full of stuff. Maybe it was the footballs, it was footballs, maybe a, a, a chair, fold away chair that we could use, toys, fishing, whatever it was. And you turn around and look, oh, still got two suitcases to get in. Done something wrong here. There's no space for the suitcases. It's everything else is cluttered and it's taking up the space. Or you could have everything on the pavement. And if you're sensible, I very often wasn't. Well, okay, let's start with the suitcases. The things that we really need. Two suitcases, maybe the buggy has to go in. Pack it in. And by the time you put in a few things, you've taken up really most of the space, but within those bags and cases there, you really have almost everything you would actually need for the holiday anyway. And then you can take all the other stuff, the balls, the, the extra trainers, the toys, and you start cramming them into the corners and down the gaps, and you've even got space for maybe taking an extra because we're going to a caravan, you might want an extra duvet and you can smother that in or a, an extra pillow and squash it in to all the gaps and the spaces. But you've got everything that you need. And I wonder if Jesus would want us to think about how we pack, not our cars, <laughs> but will we pack our lives differently after this? If we can identify from Jesus what it is that's essential that has to go into our life, as it were, then we pack our life with that first, as it were. And all the other stuff that was once so important and maybe still is important for us, we can then begin to pack around and fill in the gaps and the spaces because we've got the one thing that's essential in our lives and everything else fits around it. In this story, Jesus highlights that one thing that we really need to pack. Not in our car, but in our lives. It's a great story, isn't it? It's a lovely story. I'm sure you've, you've read it, you, you've heard it, spoken on many times. Jesus, is, we're not sure where he's coming from or where he's going, actually. It's quite vague. He was on their way, and they come to this village, village of Bethany, the village of the poor, and he comes to the home of Martha and Mary, a family whom he, he knew, whom he was friendly with. He comes to a place for rest and shelter that he did on more than one occasion. And Martha and Mary are his disciples. They're part of that wider group who were loyal to Jesus. And I love the start of this little story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She didn't just invite them in. I like the way it's put it. It gives you a sense of a generous heart of Martha. She opened her home to Jesus and these disciples. And that was actually a very significant thing to do. Because no doubt you'll have heard that opening your home and inviting someone in for, for a meal. In those times was, was much more than just saying come and have dinner. 
you were actually saying, I really want to spend time with you. In fact, you were actually saying something even stronger. It's almost a symbol of accepting these people, wanting to be friends, wanting to share their lives. That's why Jesus was often criticized, wasn't it, by the religious leaders? Because he spent time eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. And they could understand, how can you possibly do this? But Jesus was saying, this is who my kingdom is for. It's a sign of acceptance. And for Martha, there's something generous and big-hearted about this. And it's also significant because she's in a small village. And by opening her doors and welcoming Jesus and his disciples in, she's also saying, I'm with this guy. I'm for Jesus. Almost a public statement in the village. Everyone would know Martha and Mary are part of this Jesus and what's going on with him and his group. She welcomed Jesus into her home. And you go in through the door, and as well as this wonderful model of Martha making Jesus welcome, you've got Mary, verse 39, that wonderful image of Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And again, she's there, Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet, taking that position of a disciple, longing to listen to what Jesus has to say, to spend time with him, to hear his word. It's a symbol of her dependence and her commitment and her loyalty and her love for Jesus. And you've got these two wonderful examples. And two gateways in Luke's gospel into, for the disciples into belonging to Jesus is to welcome Jesus into your life like Martha did, and then you listen to Jesus in that act of devotion. The two sisters here is a wonderful start to the story. Lovely model of what it means. You welcome Jesus, and then you listen to his words, and you give him time. And you think you're going to get a compilation, you know, you get in the car when you were going on holiday, you get a compilation of great hits to help you on the journey. And you think we're going to get a compilation of marks of model disciples here, the welcoming and, and the listener, the devoted one. And then in verse 40, things take a wee bit of a twist and a turn. And Luke goes down a, a different avenue here, a completely unexpected road. Real life, as it were, interrupts and bursts into this scene. For welcoming Jesus requires and means a lot for Martha. You know fine well in, in the Near East, hospitality was, was really important. And no matter how poor you were, if you were welcoming people into your home, you, know, you had to prepare food as, as best as you could. There was a lot of preparing, a lot of cleaning probably of, of the rooms, sweeping and dusting, a lot of cooking, laying the table, a lot to get ready. And Martha, she throws herself into this with gusto. And she's hard at work and all the preparations. In fact, the original word for those preparations is actually serving. She throws herself into serving Jesus and his disciples. And we think, well done, Martha. What a wonderful thing. And then we read that she's distracted. She's getting a bit frazzled. <laughs> she's getting a bit frayed at the edges. And it's understandable because she sees, peeps through into the next room and there's Mary, her sister, sitting there doing hee-haw, as we say. Maybe in Martha's mind, just sitting there doing nothing. And she bursts in to the room. Maybe 
I don't know, quite a high stress moment you sense for Martha. And I suspect maybe if she reflected on it later, she would maybe think perhaps I could have drawn breath and handled this a wee bit differently. However, she'd maybe try the subtle approach. You know, from behind the kitchen door. Maybe walk past, you know, see Mary doing. Mary's not budging. Mary's not budging. And Martha, she can't hold it in any longer. Out it comes. Lord, she says to Jesus, who loves her, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? And you get that sense of frustration and, and resentment just pouring out of Martha. But we understand Martha, don't we? We're full of sympathy for her. Well, I am at least. I'm sure you are as well. She always gets the sympathy, Martha. And quite rightly, I suppose. And you'll all know this experience. When I say no, and I'm looking around, I'm trying not just to look at the ladies, honest. But I suspect it may well be a ladies' experience more than us men. Those times when we used to have, well, we're starting to have family gatherings again. And you'll know whether it's a Christmas meal or something. And, and your relatives come in. And you're in the kitchen. And lots of things preparing this, that, and the other. The tables to be set. And maybe it's your sister or your brother or whoever it is, a family member comes in. And they just sit down and they get a glass of wine or a drink or a cup of coffee. And they don't move. <laughs> and all that, I'm sure you've been there, maybe. Maybe you handled it better than Martha. I don't know. But you know that sense and that experience. And we feel sympathy for Martha. And we think, well, surely Mary could have got up. Just get the meal over and then we can all sit and listen to Jesus. Come on, Mary. Mary was part of the team. Martha should even have to ask. She should be up there helping. And we feel it. And Luke's audience would feel it 100 times more because this was Martha and Mary's responsibility to provide the hospitality do the work. That was Martha and Mary's role as well. Because hospitality, as we said, was sacred and would be expecting Mary to be doing it. The listeners would be expecting Mary to be helping. And she doesn't. And that's why it's, it's devastating for Martha, Jesus' words. Because Luke's audience would be expecting and Martha would be expecting Jesus to side with her. To get Mary up off her bottom, shall we say, and actually do some work. And Jesus' words are so unexpected. And we lose this because we know this story so much. But it would be quite shocking what Jesus says. There would be no doubt that Jesus would be in Martha's side. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus wants us to learn how to pack the car, as it were, how to pack our lives with what matters most. As Martha's jaw drops open at the response, Jesus is teaching Martha and us 
that one thing is needed. And that one thing is to take time and to listen to Jesus and his words. To give him a priority in our life. So if you think, look, we can listen. Come and listen to me, Martha. We can eat the leftovers. We can have the food later. We'll get round to all that. Yes, we need to eat. Of course we do. But first and foremost, one thing is truly needed. To take time to listen to me. And it's a response that speaks to us, tells us something about our priorities. Important to have our priorities in the right place. Taking time to listen to Jesus. Taking time to pray, to read his words. Whether that means coming to church every week, whether it means going to the fellowship groups, whether it means joining in some of the house groups, whether it means putting that into our life at some point. One thing is needed. We need to keep first things first. And listening to Jesus and his word is to be first. We're to pack him, as it were, into our life first. And all the other stuff that's important and needs to be done, Jesus says, well, that can be put in round about this. As long as we've got the one thing that's needed in the middle. That's what Jesus was saying to Mary and to Martha. Martha's preoccupations were perfectly valid. There's not a bad thing she's doing here. She's wanting to serve and prepare and help. And Jesus says, yeah, that's good. But one thing is needed before and above all things, and that's sitting at my feet, listening and receiving my words. And I suppose the challenge is, how do we then build a life that has this one thing needed in it? And we need to understand that listening to Jesus is where everything else actually starts for us as Christians and in our Christian life. As I say, Martha's doing things that are perfectly valid and important and urgent, some would say. But it would all go so much better if we spent some time with Jesus, first of all. It highlights the importance that we have in Scripture, that serving Jesus and working for him is vital and it's good. And we all know that, that we're called to serve and we're called to work for the sake of the kingdom of God. And we're all called to serve Jesus in different ways. But it all flows and it all comes from being with Jesus first. Our doing for God, our doing in our life, is birthed by being with him. And I think that's the lesson there for Martha. Our doing is birthed by being with him. Taking that time, having that one thing which is needed, which is to be with Jesus, to listen, to take time, to hear what he has to say to us through his words, to allow him to, to challenge our values, to challenge the way we're living, to bring changes into our life, to allow him to speak to what he wants for us to do, because he does want us to do something. And this 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 passage is not a passage where we we sit and go, "Well, I'm a Martha. I I, I do all the work. Yeah, it's Martha. Oh, I, I 
somebody will say, well, I'm a Mary. I, I, I like reading books all the time and, and studying the Bible and praying. I, I, that's what I am. I'm a martyr or a Mary. As if you could pick, right, okay, all the martyrs sit over here and all the Marys sit over there. You know, it's not really like that. Though sometimes it's portrayed as that. It's about the rhythm and the pattern for us in our Christian living. And the rhythm is we take time with Jesus first and then obviously that goes out to work. Because Mary was going to get up. Mary was going to get up and do whatever Jesus asked of her. She wasn't going to just be sitting there. Because as you know those words, you're in for worship and then we go out for work. But the priority and Mary's commended for this first and foremost the one thing is to be with Jesus and to hear his word first it's not the other way around that's the priority that Jesus wants us to have in our life and, and we know it's not a holy life charter here to sit and do nothing and I'm not saying that because when we're in with Jesus then we'll discover that will be the inspiration and the guidance to go out and to live our lives for him. And being with Jesus will change us and we'll begin to put his word into practice in our life. And as James says, we've got to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And as James goes on, he also mentions, doesn't he, that faith without works is what? No use. It's dead. So there's this balance and this rhythm. It's faith and then works. It's hearing, obviously, and then we can do, unless we hear what Jesus tells us, how he wants us to live and what he wants us to do, we can't actually go and do it. I mean, I couldn't go and pick Lynn up because I didn't listen to what she actually wanted from me. And it's that balance and rhythm, I believe, that we'll be led to, to take into consideration that we have that balance in our life. Listening to Jesus packing in the one thing that's needed first as of first importance and then moving out to serve him. As Lynn was saying, we're all different. We'll all serve God in different ways. We serve him in our lives, in the lives that we have, the opportunities that we're given. It'll be different for each and every one of us and I'm not going to be prescriptive here. But it flows, and this is the, the point, it flows from being with Jesus. And there's loads of stuff to help us do this on a practical basis. I know it's not easy sometimes. Uh, we've got the, and I, I use as well the, the, the prayer, the annual prayer um, guidance that the United Free Church has got. It's really helpful booklet, actually. And I see Elizabeth at SU have got loads of notes. I mean, we've got loads of helps every day with Jesus. Things that will help us to make this a regular part of our living. Taking time, first and foremost. And, and I can just sense some, they'll be sitting there going, that's all about life, but we don't know. I'm busy. <laughs> I've got children, I've got things to do. I've got, you know, a job to go to, it's demanding. But talking about sitting and listening to Jesus, that's not all about airy-fairy stuff. It's where discipleship starts, actually. And it's not really airy-fairy because it's the basis for all that we are and all that we do as Christians. And I will say this. Sometimes you do feel as though you're preaching to yourself. And you don't know this. I'm sure Bruce 
knows this as well. And I don't mean preaching to myself when you're all sleeping and you're all sitting looking at your phones and I'm just saying, well, I might as well just talk to myself. I don't mean that. I mean, almost every sermon when you do preach, you're aware that you're, you are preaching to yourself in a way. But there are sometimes, and this is one occasion for me preparing this, that sometimes I feel almost embarrassed saying this because I'm aware sometimes how much I struggle with this. And so I'm preaching to myself here, guys. Um, sometimes I, I feel this is easy and I'm on the ball and I'm having a regular time. And no matter what's happening, I seem to be, I've got notes or whatever I'm using to help me to listen to Jesus through his word. And I've, I've managed to get the regular time in and it seems to be going great. And then life interrupts, something happens. Got something to worry about. <laughs> Pressures come upon us. And the one thing that's needed is actually pushed to the side. And the other things come in and push it out of my life. So I struggle with it as well. And I found this word to be a challenge to me. And an encouraging word to me as well. To continue to make the one thing needed part of my life. And an essential part of my life. And, you know, from experience, I find, and maybe you found this as well, there's sometimes when you know you don't want to come to church or you don't want to go to the fellowship group because we're going to get busy or we're just uptight about something and there's things weighing on us and circumstances in our life. And you discover those are the times when you actually manage to go to church or you go to the group, you actually hear God speaking to you. And there's something from somebody, something said, or a prayer, or a song. And God speaks into your life. And you go back out into the same circumstances, but with a completely different spirit and a different attitude. Because we've met with him and we've heard from him. One thing is needed. And we need to make that the essential part of our life. And just as I finish, just come to my mind those words recorded about Jesus. Jesus was often very busy, wasn't he? And he's teaching, I suspect he was often tired. And you read in the Gospels how often Jesus would take himself away, maybe with his disciples, or on his own, as was his habit. And Jesus would go and spend time with his father to pray and to talk and to hear what his father, to listen for what his father was saying about his work and his ministry and his life. And I just think if Jesus needed that, if Jesus knew that was the one thing he needed in his life, how much more do you and I need this as well? One thing is needed, says Jesus. May God help us in his grace and his mercy be able to put that into practice and to build a one thing needed life. We're going to remain seated as we sing a song which really in response to this work today. It's 107.5 if you're using mission praise. If Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be, all of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender into your hands. We'll remain seated as we sing word which is living and active, your word which speaks into our lives and we do ask this morning that we would learn 
and in your grace and mercy you would teach us and enable us to have a life where the one thing is needed is at the center of it. That as we commit ourselves to you and as we declare our, our, our trust and our dependence upon you for all things, that we would learn to give you the center of our lives and of our hearts and we would make time to put the one thing that is needed at the center of our living. Help us, Lord, not only to hear this word this morning, but to be doers of the word. Forgive us, Lord, when we allow so many other things which are good and, and needed to be done. Forgive us, Lord, when we allow them to crowd you out. Forgive us, Lord, when we're so busy, sometimes busy serving you, and yet we're not blessed. Because we're not taking time to be with you first. So help us, Lord, to be hearers and doers of your word from this morning and as we go out of this place into this world to live and to serve you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a final hymn because it is that sense of we meet in to worship, we listen to his voice, but we've got to go. We've got to go out into the world allowing what Jesus has said to us to make a difference in our life and all that we do and say. May the mind of Christ my Saviour live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say. 463 if you're using Mission 3. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and the friendship of his Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore.